0: Good morning. We'd like to welcome you to church this morning. Please stand and join us as we begin our service of worship by singing our praises to God together.
1: No one could in sin remain inside the
2: Father, we thank you that as we come today in worship, we worship you who have loved us and redeemed us and promised us life through the risen Christ. We pray that our worship would bring honor to you and would lead us closer to you and to one another. And we ask this through Jesus. Amen. Share a word of greeting with others in worship today. couple of the events uh, for this week to be aware of. Uh, Wednesday night uh, we are hosting a district prayer event. It begins at seven o'clock uh, here in the sanctuary. We will have our regular children's ministries will be going on as well, but for those of you who may not be a part of that, uh, we invite you to be a part of this prayer gathering here at seven and you see information in the bulletin about that. and then also Thursday uh, again we'll be uh, setting aside Thursday as the day of prayer. Uh, the prayer room will be open from 6 a.m. Thursday to 6 a.m. Friday. And we will, uh, again, uh, have corporate prayer times at noon, 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. And these have been some great times together, sharing communion, uh, praying together, thinking about the, uh, the passion of Christ in those last hours. And we hope that uh, you'll join us for one of those times on this Thursday, as well as the opportunity to pr- pray in the prayer room. The esters are going to come and assist us as we take our offering this morning.
1: Savior, still a refuge, take it to the Lord.
2: We are invited to take everything to God in prayer. And as we pray together this morning, the altar is open. If you'd like to use it as a place where you offer your prayers, please come and join me. Thing to ponder your call to pray, to bring before you our burdens, our joys, our sorrows, our concerns, our praise, and to know that you hear us and that you are pleased when we come to you. This morning, Father, we come with all kinds of things in our hearts. We come celebrating and rejoicing and giving thanks for all of your blessings to us, even just over these past few days. We've watched you work in ways that we might not have dreamed possible. We've experienced your goodness and your love and your grace and your mercy in our lives. And we thank you. We also come today with burdens on our hearts. We think about people who are grieving today. And for some, the grief is new and fresh. For others, it is a lingering grief from such deep pain. Lord, we pray for your comforting presence in our grief. We pray, Father, for the, the illnesses and the, the burdens that are on our hearts today. We pray today for Beulah Avery and Jill Tyson, Priscilla Waltz, Vesta Mullen, Bruce Brenneman, Bill Roski, Bev Micah Christensen, Linda Roth, Isla Shea, Edna Howard, Crystal Blake, Emily Crickler, and for others who are on our hearts and minds. Father, we pray for our world. We continue to pray for an end and for healing in the midst of the Ebola virus. We pray, Father, for our brothers and sisters around the world who face opposition and persecution. We think especially this morning of the Assyrian Christians who have been abducted. We ask, Father, that you will protect them and that they will be released unharmed. And, Father, in the midst of their captivity, we pray that you would fill them with such grace that their captors would have hearts that are open to you. We pray for the protection of the Christians in Syria. Father, we pray for the ongoing outreach of this church and of your people around the world. And we think of those who are preparing to to, uh, go on some short-term mission adventures this summer. Pray for Brianna and for others for teams that are preparing to go, individuals, groups. Lord, in all of these circumstances, we pray that you will work miraculously in the people who go and in those they encounter. And we pray for your grace to be upon each of them. Father, we want to thank you for your mercies in our lives. Even In the midst of cold and snow and the wintry weather, we sense your spirit giving us life and hope and peace and joy. So, Father, fill our hearts with more and more gratitude because of who you are and for what you are doing in us and in this world. And in thanksgiving, we offer our prayers remembering the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever.
0: She said, no, I'm going to read the Bible. Um, after the reading of the scripture today, children will be mis- for, dismissed for children's church. There is no junior church today. Uh, will you please stand for the reading of the gospel? It's Mark 14, verses 32 through 42. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed at the same thing. He came back. He again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is the word of the Lord.
1: You did
2: Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your word that communicates who you are and your feelings for us. And we pray that you would give us hearts to accept and understand. we pray this through Christ. Amen. Please be seated. to your mind when you think about God? When you hear the when you hear the name God, what what image comes to your mind? I I think there are there are images that come to our minds when we hear the name God that we probably don't think all that much about. They just appear. And, and we, we have different visions, we have different ideas, we have different images of God. And what I'm discovering is that our view of God probably has more to do with how we pray than we realize. And how we pray has more to do with our view of God than we realize. In fact, I'm coming to the conclusion that our prayers might well be the most accurate revelation of what we think about when we think of God. How we pray, what we pray, what, what, what is at the heart of our prayers reveals what we think about God. And that's why when we look at this passage of Scripture that we've seen this morning and we find Jesus in prayer, Jesus who, who understands of God in a way that none of us really can. We, we see Jesus in prayer. And the image of God that comes to him that he talks about, two words. Abba Father. Scholars talk about um this word Abba. It seems as though maybe it originates in um baby talk. You know, dada, mama. You know, it just it's it's a, it's some of the first sounds that a baby makes. And and it, is, it seems to come out of, of that idea, and therefore, sometimes it is translated, Daddy. Now, quite frankly, when we hear that, and we think of Jesus saying, Daddy, it feels a little bit awkward to us. I suspect if some of us, if we stood in pr- prayer today, and we, we prayed out loud, and we began our prayers with, Daddy it might make us feel just a little bit uncomfortable. It feels just a little bit too intimate. Maybe a little too casual, too close. I think that's certainly how, how the, the people of Israel feel about God. I mean, they, they have been raised with this mindset of Yahweh, who is other than them. And they have this, this, such a fear of, the, uh, of God and, and a sense of awe of God that they don't even pronounce his name. They find other ways to talk about him. And now to, for Jesus to say, one of the ways that we approach God, one of the ways that we address God, is to use this intimate term, Abba. It's too uncomfortable can understand why they would have difficulty with that. We have difficulty with that. We put it into our own language. And yet, here is Jesus in the garden at this crisis moment, knowing that the cross is lingering ahead of him and all that that entails. And in his prayer, he says, Abba. Father. Paul uses this phrase twice in his letters. In Romans 8.15, Galatians 4.6, he encourages the church to address God as Abba. And as I've been pondering that, I'm thinking, why does Paul do that? Why does he urge them to call God God? I think it's because they struggle so much to see him in that light. Just as we do. And that begs the question, why do we struggle so much to see God that way? Why is it so hard for us to understand the fatherhood of God? I think one reason is because we live with imperfect fathers. When the word father comes to us, for some of us, it is the most beautiful word in the world. When we think about our fathers, we think of love and security and acceptance. We, we think of integrity and, and, and we have this image of, of our father that is positive and beautiful. And it makes us feel good to think about it. For others, the image is something very different. For others, when we think and hear the word father, what comes to mind is abuse, pain, abandonment, distance. Maybe when you think of the word the word father, it sends chills up and down your spine. Maybe when you think of the word Father, you, you think of a sort of an unpleasable taskmaster. When it came to maybe academics or athletics or being in a club or an organization or just being at home, and that the standards and the barriers were set so high, and just when you thought you reached them, it was, that's the best you can do. Maybe the image in your mind is, or is the phrase, I don't have time for you now. I don't have time for that now. And the image of father is anything but beautiful and lovely and a sense of security. But quite frankly, even if our fathers were wonderful, none of them are perfect. Perfect we're not perfect as parents if we are and we know there there are no perfect people and so there are no perfect parents they disappoint us they frustrate us they fall short they react inappropriately sometimes that's just what it means to be human even the best of circumstances and when we and when we connect those experiences with God the Father. It's going to feel. Disappointing. And it's going to have a bearing. On how we understand. And view God the Father. But it's not just our image of God. It's also some of the disappointments. That come to us in life. God. In our opinion. God doesn't come through for us. And God. We're disappointed by him. We pray for him to heal someone we love and he doesn't. We pray for him to fix this relationship and it isn't. We pray to get this job and we don't. To get into that school and it doesn't happen. There are all kinds of things that we, we take to God and we ask him to do and it, they don't turn out the way we want them to. And we feel as if God has let us down. And we can say, we may say out loud, oh, I don't feel that way. But deep inside, we know we do. Something in us feels disappointment with God. That he shortchanged us. That he hasn't followed through with his promises. That he hasn't done what we feel like he ought to do. Maybe we feel what we deserve, he should do. And those disappointing experiences chip away at our image of God as father. And the real danger is that when we have, when we live with these skewed views of God as father, it begins to shape in us a pagan view of prayer. One of the things that God keeps driving home to the people of Israel is that when they pray to him, as they interact with him in the temple, the tabernacle, or in their homes, he wants them to think of him in a different way and all the nations around them think of their gods. But it's hard for them to do that. They so easily slide into manipulation and begging and trying to control God just as the pagan people around them do. In their minds, if they go through the rituals, then God has to do what they want him to. If they follow the plan exactly right, God has to give them what they want just as the pagan nations around them do. It's not as though we don't understand that. I mean, come on, God, I've... I've increased my Bible reading. I'm praying more than I was. I'm doing all these good things for these people. I should get what I, what I want. But all of that manipulation, all of that trying to trick or cajole God and to beg God into giving us what we want... All of that is rooted in a skewed view of God. It implies that God is not good, and even more, it implies that God doesn't want to do good things for us. And so we have to force God to do it. We have to trick God to do it. We have to convince God to do it. It's what, it's what Jesus is trying to help the, the, the disciples and the people understand in the Sermon on the Mount. When he says, look, if you, if you parents who are far from perfect know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus is trying to say to them and to us is that God loves to do good things for us. God loves to pour out blessings on us. We We don't have to try to trick God to do that. We don't have to try to manipulate God to do that. He wants to give us good more than we even want it ourselves. The problem is, we think we know what is best more than God does we think we have figured out this is the right thing this is the best thing this is this is what it would be the the, the best thing to happen in my life lord why aren't you doing it If you think back to when you were a child for some of you as children you know it's hard to understand the big picture that adults want to uh, give us. We want to just, you know, stay up all night, do whatever we want, eat whatever we want, go wherever we want. And we get really irritated with our parents when they won't let us. And what's the most common thing we think? They don't love us. They're against us. They're just trying to control us. And then as we get older and we look back and we realize Oh, they were just looking out for us. Because what we thought was so awesome, they realized was often harmful, dangerous, unhealthy. But when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to see that. But it is the message that God is trying to communicate through the centuries. That even though we think we know best, he really does. And even the times when we question whether he is this loving father that he proclaims to be, he is. I read a story recently about a woman who was traveling on a flight from Tucson, Arizona to Phoenix. Not a long flight, obviously. But they got on the plane and and uh, she got in her seat and uh, up the aisle came a young woman with a little baby, little baby dressed in this beautiful dress, and uh, the baby was just so talkative. Dad, 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 dad. Everybody who walked by, dad, 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 da And they sat down in the seat just across the aisle from this woman telling a story, and uh, all the people around them were, you know, engaged in this cute little girl and. She's just jabbering to everybody, dad, da da dad, da, da, da and as they talked, they discovered that the, the mother and this little baby had, had been on a trip and said, I think for just one day they were gone. It wasn't like a long time, but they were really excited to get home and see Daddy. Well, they took off, and the mother had a, a little thermos of juice for the little baby, and as they were going along, she'd give her a little juice and a little fruit, a little juice, a little fruit, She said, which was great. It kept the baby quiet and, you know, which they were all grateful for. But the problem was, she said, it was one of the most, one of the rockiest flights she's ever been on. She said, in fact, it was so turbulent that the flight attendants had to stay in their seats. And she said, I don't know how to tell this story without being honest about it. But she said, all of the juice and fruit that went down eventually came up Everywhere. I, she was sitting across the aisle from her and she was covered in stuff. And this little baby was just covered in stuff and the mother was covered in stuff. And she said, you know, it's one of those things where you're trying to get away from a smell and you realize it's you. She said, when they, got, when they, got, when they landed, she said, I was trying to decide, do I just burn this dress or do I just cut off the sleeve or what do I do with it? You know, I mean, it's horrible. They landed and the baby's like, she's fine now, you know, dad, 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 dad. you know. And they're all a mess. It's just a horrible mess. And people are like, okay, here you go, you know. So they, they get off the plane and they're walking in and they, she sees this guy standing there. He's wearing white slacks and a white shirt, holding white flowers and his little, you know, the gold green paper. And she realizes this is daddy. She's thinking, I can just see now what's going to happen. He's going to go running to this little girl and take one look at her and head the other direction, not with these clothes on. And she watched this whole scene unfold. And and the mother said, I don't want to say the mother threw the baby at him, but she certainly gave her to him as quickly as possible to go get cleaned up. And instead of holding the baby out like this, as you might expect, he embraced his little girl. And he kissed her all over her head and face and everything and kept saying, daddy's baby's come home. Daddy's baby's come home. And she said, I followed him all the way to the baggage claim. And he never stopped kissing and hugging and loving on that little baby girl. And she said, the thought occurred to me. Why would I think that my father in heaven would be any less loving than a father wearing white slacks and a white shirt embracing this messy little baby. And yet we struggle. I think one of the reasons we wrestle with this is that our view of God has been has been shifted even through the centuries, the center, the focus of who God is, Dennis Kinlaw says that in the first three centuries of the church, the, the real focus of God's nature was as loving Father. It was it was as God. It was God as Father, which is why the creed begins, "I believe in God the Father." And everything that God did and everything else that God is comes out of God as father. But through the centuries, uh, we began to, to see God more in legal terms rather than family terms. And we began to understand God more as a judge pronouncing sentences on people. Rather than a father treating us as children. And, the, and eventually, we, we totally we lost a lot of that center point of who God is. And he goes on to say that you know, the real, uh, the, the first characteristic of God is not sovereignty. As important as that is, and as true as it is, that God is sovereign. The first central characteristic of God is not sovereignty, it's love. He says, God only needs to be sovereign when he creates things to be sovereign over. But God has always been love because that's how the Trinity relates to each other, in love. And the love of God is the center point of who he is His nature, his character, and everything else, as important as it is, flows out of that nature and character of love. And the love defines all the other characteristics of who God is. And I think that at the heart of what Jesus prays here is loving Father, Abba, Father. This is the only time that we have a record of Jesus using this term for God. He may have used it other times, but it's not recorded. This is the only time. And it seems significant to me that it's in this moment of extreme crisis, in this moment of the, as the weight of all that is about to happen comes upon him. As we talked last week, as Jesus is in the middle of the battle about what he's going to do in this moment his prayer isn't sovereign God it is Abba Father in that moment of deepest need in that moment of greatest crisis it is loving Father that's the object of his prayer. And in the season of Lent, as we think about what Jesus has done for us, as we think about our own struggles and our burdens and, and our sins and all the things of life that, that might cause us to put distance between us and God, In this moment, we need to, to see God as loving Father who forgives, who comforts us, who strengthens us. Even when he may need to, to discipline us, it's because he is loving Abba, Father. I don't know the image of God that may predominate in your mind, but I suspect that there are days when you wrestle with really seeing God as Jesus. Does I want to encourage you to let your mind be open let your heart be open to God who is loving Father he is good and merciful and full of compassion patient and kind and he is for us and if we love to give good gifts to our children and we are so valuable how much more Abba Father Heavenly Father We thank you. We thank you that you are indeed loving Father. Father, we pray that you will heal our distorted, skewed views of you. Help us to to embrace a childlike trust of you. That you not only know what is best, but you do it. Give us grace to see you as you truly are. We ask this through Christ. Amen.
0: Please stand and join us as we sing to our Father together.
1: What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins. Carry everything to God in prayer. Have we tried or temptation? to say